This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen bloody murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin. So let's get rowdy and reckless. Let's get rowdy and reckless. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of the Tailgate Society and brought to you by Revelton Distillery, our brand new sponsor. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing really well tonight. <clears throat> how are you? Uh, um, you know, it has been... Uh, uh, a month in the last week and a week in the last day. So it's been, um, you know, exhausting, but, but good. Um, before we get started into this, I did mention we have a new sponsor. Do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about our new sponsor, Revelton? Yeah, Revelton Distillery uh, is located in Osceola, Iowa, just on the opposite side of Lakeside Casino on I-35. Uh, they make some amazing uh, spirits, uh, honey vodka, which I'm having tonight, honey whiskey, a cream liqueur, a mulberry gin. So if you like a nice uh, Moscow mule, you can make a nice mule out of that. Um, <clears throat> they do a, they have a beautiful tasting room down there. Uh, so they have all kinds of events and concerts and stuff down there. So take some time, drive down. It's about 40 minutes south of Des Moines and, uh, and go see my buddy Rob and his wife, Christy. So uh, for diligent listeners of the podcast, we have had Rob on before, so you might recognize that name. Uh, Rob came on here and dropped some real truth bombs and uh, did whatever Chris and I always pretend we're doing, which is uh, providing knowledge to everyone. Rob actually came on and, and showed us how that was done. Uh, great guy, great family. I still have not been down to the space it's probably you know a six hour drive for me i need to get down there chris you and i should actually try to do a podcast from there we should do we should i'm sure he would love that so <clears throat> although unlimited uh supply of rebels and spirits may cause us to really go off the rails we uh we we normally keep this thing uh hey remember Coach Mack called us professionals, so let's just. No, uh, Coach McCarney said we were professionals, so I guess. I'm gonna put that on my LinkedIn page. Um, I I don't have a LinkedIn page. LinkedIn is terrible. Don't ever use that. Um, hey, that's how I got my job. Uh, well, through LinkedIn. So you're you're the one. <laughs> um, well, excellent. Uh, well, Chris, I will go ahead and let you introduce our guest for this evening. Yeah, so tonight we have on fellow podcaster, um, <clears throat> TikTok sensation, uh, uh, the uh, the main man from old hippie media, Tom Powell Sr. 
Tom Jr. I'm sorry. Tom, come on. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Thank you for having Good. me. Yeah, we're excited to have you back. <clears throat> um, we tried this uh, last <laughs> week and it, uh, I don't know, Zoom didn't work or, or Tim messed it up. I'm going to go with Zoom. It's not Tim's fault. I'm going to say um, that it's my fault. Uh, really, man, I can't believe you're passing up on an ability to make fun of me. I'm a better man than you are. Oh, no. We, oh. <laughs> oh, no, no. Tom, taking the high road. In the, in the high road, he drops the grenade. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom, we, we all know that Chris is, is better. So I, I actually told him in a message earlier today, I can't believe I'm going to admit this on the podcast, that he inspires me. Uh, and I feel I feel dirty just saying that out loud right now. But uh, <laughs> I feel kind of dirty even when you say it. <laughs> Get all tingly all over. Uh, well, Tom, welcome to Old Man Strength. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate the fact that you gave us a second chance and we didn't scare you off the first time. Yeah. Oh, no worries. No worries. So, so listeners, uh, we had uh, Tom on. We had a, one of the best conversations I think we've ever had on this podcast. And either my computer or zoom or my uh just general dysfunction lost all of the gold so i hope we're at least able to bring you silver platinum i don't know titanium uh we will deliver some type of precious metal yeah yeah i like that i like that so uh so Tom, we've been down this road before, but why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I rarely wear underwear. And when I do, (laughs) it's usually something unusual. Um, I am a 49-year-old retired landscaper from the Chicagoland area who uh, now fucks around on social media and uh, has a podcast and writes books for fun and to fill the time. I'm a deadhead. I'm a huge proponent of cannabis. Uh, I talk a lot of politics uh, and I talk a lot of smack, I guess. I guess if you look at the uh, comment sections of some of the posts. So uh, one thing that we haven't brought up uh, on the podcast before is that I'm not nearly as much of a deadhead as Tom is. but I, I do find myself, I want to say I dabble. I, I, I definitely follow the dead. I have not given up, you know, four years of my life uh, following any band around. Uh, but Tom, you, you can't, you don't share that in common with me. You have actually done that. Yeah. And, you know, I gotta be, when you, when you talk about it, it's important to understand that while I do love the Grateful Dead, obviously you have to you have to love the scene uh, and the family and all of that but i didn't even know the grateful dead was really that kind of an entity right before i started traveling i was looking for a way to travel sure and i got introduced into this lifestyle and so the dead was actually a conduit for me to be able to just get the fuck out of here and go spend some time on the road and then i fell in love with the family you know what i mean uh, so it was definitely a reverse scenario. I didn't, I didn't fall in love with the music first and 
be drawn to it and feel the need to, to go. I was drawn to just getting the hell out of where I was and seeing some of the country. Uh, and it turned out to be that it got me into a really great scenario. So, so where, where were you when you got drawn out of said place? You mean when it all ended? No, like, like when, when you were like, Hey, I'm going to get drawn into traveling. What, like, what were you doing? Where were you living when you decided, you know what? I need to travel and I need to follow along with all these people. I was living in Berwyn, Illinois, which is a suburb right outside of Chicago, the near West suburbs. Sure. Uh, uh, my, my father and stepmother actually lived in Berwyn, Illinois, and I had just come up from Southern Indiana and was, uh, basically occupying some space in their basement and working, uh, literally working at McDonald's, just trying to make a couple of bucks. And there was a guy at McDonald's that said, uh, you know, I had talked about wanting to hit the road and just didn't know how to go about doing it, how to, you know, take that first step. And there was a guy that worked at McDonald's that used to work for a carnival and he kept talking about the carnival and talking about the carnival. And then the carnival came to town and he was like, Hey, do you want to make some money? What they do is when they roll into town, they pay locals 50 bucks for the day to come in and help set up the rides. And then they pay locals a hundred dollars to come in and tear down the rides uh, on Sunday. So I went and I set up a ride. And went back to working at McDonald's for the rest of the week, hit, hit the carnival a couple of nights, did the teardown on Sunday and was asked if I wanted to do the setup in the next town because I was fairly good at it. I had a good work ethic and I was, you know, it's back when I had a chin. I could <laughs> work a long time. Tom, that's that's why we grow beards. I'm trying to tell you. No, I have <laughs> all, th- all three of us have beards for a very specific reason. <laughs> yeah, and mine, mine's that Santa Claus look. Well, I, and I went, I did the setup in the next town, and, and then they just asked if I wanted to kind of fold in with them, and I did. And so I spent the summer of 92 working for a carnival and getting my first taste of traveling. Mm-hmm. And I did that all the way into October of 92 uh, at, until we were playing a, 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 like a big festival in Evansville, Indiana. And uh, it ended and I came back up to Chicago and I was like, well, fuck, now I'm going to be sitting around all winter long, not, not figuring out what to do. And another friend of mine who was a big deadhead said, you can travel and not bust your ass. Just follow these people. They follow this band around and you're going to fit in just fine. And that's what I did. I kind of rolled in there in the uh, fall of 92 and rode that out until Jerry's passing in uh, August of 95. So, so Tom, I, I hate to point this out, but you realize that you're every um, suburban white dad's stereotype of a deadhead is that you were a fast food employee living in his parents' basement. Yep. Uh, and then like- working for a carnival. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, People so- go, People hear that I'm that I followed the dead for a few years, and they go, "What? No carny experience?" And I go, well, yeah, "Actually, yeah, I got a year of that." Small hands. Smells like cabbage. I just find that fascinating uh, that <clears throat> that you were able to do that <clears throat> growing up. In my mind, thinking that that was something so far from the realm of what I would even think was possible it was so ingrained in me that I was going to go to college and then I was going to get a job and, and, and get married and, and, and do all those things in the order quotes 
that people think you should. Um, so it's so surreal to me to think that that's you just up and just said, oh, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to go to this next town. I don't know where I'm going to sleep. I don't know what I'm going to do. To, to be able to have that kind of freedom and, and, and liberty and, and bravery, I guess, is pretty cool. Well, my family unit fell apart pretty early on. Mm-hmm. My family unit was actually doomed to, to begin uh, from the beginning because my parents never liked each other from day one. They had a brief physical attraction to one another, and the end result of that was me. So I didn't have the benefit of the solid home life and the people telling me I was going to go to school and I had to get good grades. When my father found out that I was smoking at age 15, uh, sorry, 14, uh, by me leaving ashes in the bathroom sink, uh, he asked if I had any cigarettes. I told him no because I didn't want him to take them, and he stopped and bought me a carton. <laughs> you, you know what's what's funny to me is like we talk about these things like we're really old men and like that's a story that i would expect to hear from like the 1950s but tom yeah. you're not that much older than me like you grew up in the area the era of like nancy reagan like there still should have been like some sort of just say no type of like parents cared about you know maybe some of that no i was a i was a typical gen x lashkey kid my father worked two jobs during the week and one job on the weekend when i was a kid i never saw him Mm -hmm. my mother was unhappy with life and spent all of her time trying to uh do things with her friends my parents got a divorce when i was eight they had one sibling in between my my brother who's five years younger than me and when they got a divorce when I was eight, my mother just flipped uh, uh, completely out. And I went through a handful of years of some, taking some severe ass beatings for her. While my father, I got to see very rarely because he was living out of people's basements. They didn't have time to parent, nor did they want to parent. So uh, I was one of those Gen X kids that had to raise themselves. Sure. And I think I think there was a lot of that, like, just you mentioned the the phrase latchkey kid. Uh, my kid is only six. Chris, you you are now a, a fresh empty nester. Is latchkey kid like even a thing? Is, no, is, right? I, it, it's not. I, it's funny because <clears throat> I see people talk all the time about the school pickup line and how much of a pain in the ass it is. And I it is myself, a it is it's a huge and fucking I think pain to in myself, the ass. I got to tell you that I hate school it. pickup line. I was lucky that my dad would remember that I would tell <laughs> let alone if he was going to show up and pick me up. I either had a bike or, or I had feet and that's how I was getting to and from school every day. It slays me now that people think they can't let their kid walk home from school. Now it's a different world and I get that, but it's sometimes it's hard to process. And I'll give you a good example. Caitlin and I, Tom, Caitlin is my 21 year old daughter. We were watching stranger things on Netflix and if you've ever seen that show, it's set right in the time period in the early 80s that you and I grew up in, where, you know, we were riding our bikes and spending the night at our friends' house till, you know, God knows when. And and, and we didn't come home until, yeah. until yeah. the streetlights came on or whatever. Yeah, or, or, or even then. Right. And there was a scene where they were just right. It was dark out and they were all running their bikes all over. And Caitlin paused the, paused the TV and she's like, hold up. Like, did they really do that? Did you guys just get to just go out whenever you wanted in the middle of the night and your parents didn't care and didn't wonder where you were? I was like, yeah, that was the way it was. 
I might, be at Tim, I might I, be at Tim's house. I might be at Tom's house. I could be at Jeff's house. I'll call you at some point. But now I think raising my kids, I was like, I that would freak me out now. I, re- I remember I remember one time uh, as a kid, uh, I was hanging out with, with my friends, Tom and Chad, and it had gotten to be, I don't know, it was like nine o'clock at night. And I came into the house and I said, hey, we're all going to. Uh, go play hide and seek at night. And it's now nine, nine 30 at night. And my mom looked at me and said, hold on your black clothes are in the, in the dryer. Let me go get some. Like my mom was actively <laughs> trying to get me to go outside in clothes where I could hide. Like, can you imagine sending your kid out in something that isn't like blaze orange? Like, like right. literally my mom was actively trying to help me hide from my friends in the middle of, of nowhere. Like that's not, it's just it's just not a lifestyle when i was seven i used to ride my bike six blocks away from the house Mm -hmm. and shimmy down the embankment about a 10 foot tall embankment and catch crawfish out of the salt creek in north lake illinois Mm -hmm. for hours on end yeah and then when i got home my mother would send my ass right back out seven years old with a handwritten note and cash to tell the guy up at the 7-Eleven to sell me a gallon of milk and two packs of e-cigarettes. Right? Like, I, yeah. There's, I'm like, I even think about like just the idea, like I, uh, there was this, um, oh, it was uh, the Sesame Street thing where like somebody sent their, their uh, kid to the store for like a quart of milk and a stick of butter. And like, that's not a thing. You don't ever send your kid to do anything no um, not until they have a driver's no. license in a car well and, and, and even, even then about, <laughs> i don't even know about that because the, the 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 difference now is is again i had another conversation with caitlin she she was in show choir and was the lead singer at show choir and could stand up in front of a thousand people at a show choir performance and belt out a solo with no problem but if you asked her to pick up the phone to make her own doctor's appointment she would literally freak out Oh God, they don't know. They don't know how to use phones. And, and, I mean, so to send them to the store to get, she called me today, FaceTimed me on the phone. She had to put windshield wiper fluid in her car. And she's like, dad, is this the, the, the port that I put it in? And it literally had a symbol of a window on it with the little sprinkles things. And I was like, what do you think that's for? It looks just like a windshield. And, and Chris isn't like a car savvy guy. Like this no, is literally like no. the most basic thing. But so, I, I always get those calls. And then I think to myself, if I'd have called my old man and said, where do I put the windshield wiper fluid in there? After he would have had to come and show me, I would have got my ass kicked. See that, that. So I've been on my own since I was 15. Mm-hmm. My father's been, my father started working when he was eight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, ra- raised up uh, by people from the Depression era. And so when I was 15 years old, my father wanted to leave Southern Illinois and go back to Chicago because there was better paying work. But he knew that I had a, a group of friends and I was entrenched down there. And he literally looked at me and said, I'm going back to Chicago to get a better job. You come in or you stay. I was 15. <laughs> I was 15. And I said, well, I'm given, given the choice. I'm staying. And he handed me the key to our two bedroom house. And he said, I'll keep the lights on. I suggest you get a job because you're going to get hungry real fast. And so I've been working and on my own since I was 15 years old. 
I have a 20 year old, a 17 year old and a nine year old. And I can remember that they were significantly older than I was before I let them go past the stop sign at the end of the block. Mm-hmm. However, as a result of my upbringing, we kind of raised our kids in a sink or swim kind of atmosphere. Sure. My kids have been doing their own laundry since they were nine. My kids have been letting themselves in the house with a key since they were nine. They've also had a cell phone since they were nine so that I could track them and find out where they are and they could call me. So right. the term latchkey kid is you going back to this conversation earlier. Yeah. Does that still exist? Yeah, sort of. My kids let themselves in because I had my own company was out working. My wife was uh, climbing the ladder at her place, but it wasn't the same because they had this technology. If yeah, there like, was an issue getting into the house, they could call us. Right. Yeah. Well, and and you could track them if you needed to. Now, now you definitely can. I can right? pinpoint them anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So you Which said, is, sorry, Tim, a conversation no, that we had um, with a group of people once that wanted to know if they found it creepy or not, if parents were, were, were looking at, at their, their phones and tracking where they were and what they were doing. And the conversation I was having was with a younger group of, of kids and they were all, or a younger group of, of adults that were like, that's totally, <laughs> creepy. that's totally creepy. And that's not, and I said, listen, you guys can all from, and none of them had kids. You guys can all have that, but as an adult, when you have kids and you start to think about those things, you you absolutely will at some point open that app up and check and see where your kids are. It's just second nature. It's no different. And Tim, you and I talked about this a couple episodes ago about what would happen if my old man had access to be able to tell where I was at. He'd have fucking checked on me all the time. Oh, Melvin totally would have checked on you. Right. And it was fun. It was fun to uh, check in with with Bill. So. Uh, Chris and I have never met in person, but we have a, a, a very good friend, Bill, in common. It's it's a guy that Chris grew up uh, with that I came to be friends with in my adult life. Uh, and so Chris likes to tell a lot of Melvin stories, stories about his dad. And, and Bill likes to uh, help readjust his lens on some of those things. <laughs> um, uh but yeah, no, uh, your dad definitely would have, but he probably would have been um, uh, too angry to do anything or halfway on his way to Ames to yell at you. Uh, right. You know, it, it's at the end of the day, it's uh, it's a wonderful parenting tool. The phone, it can yeah. be it can be an yeah. absolute pain in the ass, but it's a wonderful parenting tool. And uh, to anybody that's listening out there, the only bit of advice I can give you when it comes to conversing with your kids on cell phones that you've given them is this the one rule that i really had in the house both my wife and i had was um if i text you you can text me back Uh but if you're at jennifer's house and you're planning on everybody's planning on moving over to mary's house i don't want to hear that in a text i want to hear your voice I want to hear your voice when you're not, when you're going somewhere where you said you weren't going to be because anybody can text me from your phone. And by the time I realize that it, you, it ain't you that's texting me, you're in Iowa. No offense. No, no, no. Tom, no, I, Tom I, that's, I never, that's, that's actually pretty amazing. I would have never have thought that. Yeah, no, I, I, so I don't, so I'm, I'm the one with the youngest kid as, as a six-year-old and, and Tom, you have, you said 20 to nine, like you have an 11 year span with the kids. Yeah, 20, 17, and soon to be 10 in uh, the beginning of December. Okay, so 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 you have experienced uh, 
quite a bit of technological change over the last decade from your youngest or your oldest kid to your youngest. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Does your 20 year old ever look at what your 10 year old is experiencing and and either get jealous or mad or grateful or like, like it has to be like, like it has to be like a, well, shit, we didn't have that when I was your age. Yes, absolutely. Because it's a, it's such a dramatic shift that um, when my 20 year old first got a phone. So the, the decision we made to get her a phone for the very first time was because she had just started coming off the bus on her own without anybody there to meet her. Mm-hmm. And she had a key and she could get her way into the door. And I, one day I come pulling in in the landscape truck and she's sitting in the middle of the front yard sobbing because there was a big ass spider on the door. And she didn't know <laughs> what to do. <laughs> right. And so I was like, okay, well, why didn't you go to the neighbor's house? She didn't, she just didn't think of it. Right. And I was like, okay, so then we're going to get you a phone. So that's how that began. You get a phone when you start letting yourself into the house and the height of the technology at that point in time, her first phone was those Nokia where the whole body flips up and you have the side, the sideways keyboard. Hey, at least it was, it was a flip phone and not the brick phone. I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. So if we went from that to what we have now, which is my son's walking around with an iPhone in his hands at nine years old. So, yeah, I mean, like I, like I think about it, my, my daughter doesn't have a phone. Um, her mother and I, uh, what have we been divorced now for two, three years? Anyway, uh, we haven't figured out, but like she's learning how to like message your friends and they now have these phones that are like aimed at, you know, like the six to eight year old where they can't really do anything except for like message like the three people in their, their phone thing and, you know, we're already trying to co-parent to some level of success and we're trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, when do we get her this and who do we let her be in her circle and all of that shit. And like, that's not a thing my parents ever had to deal with is like, it's not even just accessing the internet. It's just access to your friends when you're not face to face. Right. Like I hung out with, I hung, hung out with Tom because I walked on the street and knocked on, on, Mrs. Greenlee's mm-hmm. door and said, is Tom available? Or we just agreed, hey, after school, we'll go home, we'll get changed, we'll go meet out by, by the, the woods or whatever. Uh, so just the text messaging and all the weird things that go along with, like, no, don't even bring in, like, the, you know, creeps online and all that shit. Just that part is weird for me to, to learn how to navigate. So for you who raised... A now 20 year old when he was or he or she were eight, they weren't dealing with that to now having a nine year old who is dealing with that. Like, how have you learned how to adjust? We're still learning uh, okay. or we're still learning. Uh, uh, so one of the books that I want to write is uh, about raising kids in a world that you don't recognize which is, I think, what Gen X is currently going through, right? And, and what, I, what I talk about when I talk about that generational differences is there are always differences from generation to generation to generation. Oh, but sure. I truly believe that the generational gap between Gen X and their kids is the greatest gap yet. Because my grandfather got his news from the newspaper and my father listened to it or my from the radio my father read a newspaper and then i got to see news on tv and and one bought an, a record and one had an eight track and then i had a, a cassette and a cd 
but all of that, you know, you, you still had to wait for the news to come around. You just, it, there was a different medium by what medium by which you were absorbing it. Now it's in your hand 24 seven. You, you had to buy the entire album, the medium through which the album came just differed a little bit from my grandfather to me to me. Now you pluck songs out of the air and you throw them on your phone. Be, be, people don't even listen Gen to X and Gen Z is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and the, the avenues for mistakes are even more instantaneous. I've had a conversation yeah. with the kids before where I've said there was plenty of times when I was 15, 16, 17, I did some pretty stupid shit. Uh, yeah, like ra that, raise your hand anyone in the on this call that uh wishes social media were around when they were 15 years old like none nobody, of us like none right. of us want that shit right but but the opportunity to to have something a mistake broadcast in an instant to thousands is astronomical now and that's something they have to deal with that i when it first happened to one of my kids wasn't sure how to handle it how do I, how do I handle that? How do I, how do I, how do I navigate that? And how do I, it's to your point, it's my parents. So once again, let me point, let me point out the difference with what you're talking about, right? And that generational gap. So now if something bad happens to your kid, if there's an embarrassing moment for your kid, it circles the globe in an instance and it can reach millions of people in our generation. Our generation's version of that is uh, you taking a really bad class photo for the world to see. Right? <laughs> right. You, moon, yes. you mooning the class photo right. and getting caught mooning the class photo or getting caught flipping off in the class photo. Yeah. And then the whole high school knew about it, not the whole fucking world. You know, yeah. people in Bangladesh didn't know that you fucked up. And, yeah. and when I went to go get a job five years later, my employer, my future employer wasn't able to see that. Now so, they all exactly. So, 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 so Chris and I recently had a guest on, uh, one of my favorite guests of all time, uh, who turned a silly game day sign on ESPN into uh, this gigantic, he turned it into a foundation. It's literally a foundation raising money for uh, the children's hospitals of Iowa city. Like he's, it's this amazing foundation. They're raising a ton of how many, how much money did he raise off of that he, one event? He would, off that one sign. He, he had a sign at, at game day that said Venmo me for beer money. Um, and next thing you know, it started blowing up on social media and he had almost $2,000 in there within a half an hour. Really? So he, yeah. so he had, I, his name is Carson King. You may have heard this story. Yeah. So at that point, he had, he had said, "I uh, Bush Light needs replenished. Venmo me," and gave his Venmo. Well, people just started sending him money while he was live on TV. He was, so he he was, at, around, he was at a football game drinking with his buddies, right? And all so of a sudden, he turned his phone around and up. decided whatever he was going to take in, he would he would send to the children's hospital. Well, okay. Bush Beer, Bush Beer got a hold of it, said they would match it. Venmo got in there. And then Venmo it. got in on it and they would match it. And next thing you know, the guy raised $3 million. $3 million, right? And so all this guy is doing is, well, first of all, because it did not take for anyone else to get involved or anyone else to notice. It was literally him sitting at a football game with a stupid sign, let me go buy beer. And he's already up to $1,000. And already his mind is, shit, I have to give this away, guys. This isn't my money. I did this as, as like a joke. Like already his mind is 
guys, we need to do something good with this. And so he does this. And eventually what literally should have been like, a, hey, someone buy me a, a case of Bush Light became three million dollars. And so he does this. And it's, now and, and now because he is what is he? Is he 20, 23, 24? I yeah, think. right. Yeah. Right. And, and so he does this. And now people go scaring his Twitter account when he was like 15 years old. And now they're suddenly like pulling up all of like the stupid tweets, like all of the things that could be offensive when literally they were just quoting a TV show. Well, let's be accurate. He, he, he they had a, the local register here did an article on him and on the story. And 90% of the article was positive. But for some reason, this reporter decided to go look at his Twitter account from when he was 15. And dug back to when he was 15 and found some inappropriate tweets that he had made when he was 15. And it put that in the story. And as a result, Bush Light dropped him from their campaigns. Right. And, and like, I mean, I, I think about things that we like, I'll be the first to his to say- credit. To his credit, he came out and said, it was a terrible thing for me to do and it shouldn't have been done. And I'm not upset. That they found it. I mean, he was, he, you know, he was totally cool about it. Car- but- Car- Carson's a great guy, and he handled that with more aplomb than I think any of us would have. Right. Absolutely. Uh, he he did a great job. But like, I can't. Like, man, I'll be honest. At 15, 15 growing up in small town Iowa, I was super homophobic, misogynistic, like, like so many things. Right. I don't want to be judged by that right now. And the only no, reason- we would have all. We would have all been canceled. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we're talking about this because that was something I wanted to ask you about. But and and Tim and I had talked about this on one of our very first podcasts. Is is it really canceled culture or is it more consequences for your actions? And I'll and I'll frame the question this way. Um, there's certainly the ability to say and and do whatever you want in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the First Amendment. But that also doesn't mean that there isn't consequences for those particular actions or discussions, right? So right. let's let's use John Gruden for an example. His emails <laughs> from ten years ago. Jesus. I, well, I, and they're not even all from ten years ago. Some of them from, no, they're are not. from like three they're years not. ago. But yeah. And they're and they're they're clamoring that he is getting canceled for that. And I counter that by saying that's a consequence of his action. He chose to use those words and knew what they were at the age that he is and decided he was still going to put that out there. Now, he was found out he's a representative of a multi-million dollar team and organization. There's some there's some responsibility there. He had every right to, to express his views and use those words. But that company also has every right to say, I don't want you to be associated with our company anymore. So is that cancel culture or is that more consequences for his actions? No, I don't believe in cancel culture. Uh, cancel Thank culture you. is a, cancel culture is a made up phrase yes. by somebody who is looking to try to figure out a way to politically weaponize something that every single human being on the planet does, which is look at a business or an institution and determine whether or not they're going to spend their money with that institution based on a wide range of factors. Do I like the product? Do I like the atmosphere? Is it clean? Do the people, are the people nice? Are any of them homophobic, racist pieces of shit? 
you know, I mean, and some companies decide to put their shit out there for the whole world to see. Some companies choose to hide who they are and just operate as a business. But no, it's called voting with your pocketbook. Both sides do it all the time. Cancel culture is a made up term. Uh, uh, just to show that I'm not all a lefty, I also say that assault rifles are made up term. It yeah, doesn't no, exist. Right. Right. You know what I mean? These are terms that are used by somebody politically trying to weaponize something. And I don't want to get into a gun debate by any stretch of the imagination. But, but, but wouldn't you well, say what when you say weaponize, it's using language in a way that because like like Frank Lutz is is someone who like for the last 20 years has been like the king of this. And he will admit and, and as of late, he's actually pointed out the hypocrisy on the right with this is just that it's the whole uh turning estate tax into death tax, right? Like it's literally, you can use language to turn it into, to emotionally charged what should be uh, non-emotional in the first place. Indeed. And that's why language matters. And that's why messaging matters. And that's why as a liberal, as a Democrat, I have issues with messaging like ACAB and defund the police because it doesn't matter what it means. All that matters is what people hear. And if people hear the words defund the police, they're going to think it means defund the police, not reallocate funds or make sure we have better trained people in position. It, they think it means you want to take the money away from the police and shut the police departments down. Because that's what the words tell them. Tom, Tom, I, I, I live in Minneapolis. Uh, we're grand zero for that shit, right? Like that, that all hit height with, with George Floyd. Uh, do you know how many times when something happens in the city, I have to hear, well, that's because you've defunded the police. Uh, bitch, we haven't had an election to, to defund anything. We haven't done a goddamn thing. Zero dollars have been reallocated. What are you, why are you telling me that this is a result of us defunding the police? Right. We haven't. We haven't had a choice to defund or profund or any fund of police in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but you know, that's that's kind of the impact of branding. Branding yes. and language. <clears throat> Speaking of languages, is, is I'll give you a, a perfect example here, and and listeners can can follow along here. I'm going to read you a definition of a word. You tell me what you think that word is. The definition is willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own and open to new ideas, relenting or denoting social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise. I, what does that word mean? What is that word? I, I got I it. Tom, I'll let you guess first. I have, I have my guess. Oh, geez. Uh, liberal? I was going to say tolerant. It's liberal. But wow. back in 1990... During the election, uh, sorry, 92, during the election, Bill Clinton, who you can say what you want about his presidency, his morals or whatever, yep. was labeled a liberal as a bad thing. And they hammered that word, the Republicans did, over and over again, that liberal was a dirty word and a dirty thing to be. Now, you're telling me somebody that's willing to respect or accept behavior or opinions different from one's own is bad? Well, and, and you know the, what? Uh, I'm sorry. I got to jump in here. I got to make a TikTok about that because that's phenomenal. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was the definition of liberal. 
Um, that's great. Make by sure the you way, tag me so I can get famous along with you, Tom. Uh, yes, nice. but. By by the way, uh, folks, if we have not mentioned it, uh, and we'll give Tom some time at the end to to plug his his TikTok. But uh, one of the reasons that we brought Tom in the first place is uh, Chris was uh, drunkenly being an old white man pretending like he's hip, scrolling through TikTok. Luckily, I got off the OnlyFans algorithm. <laughs> some uh, and, some, some and, more better content yeah and he, and he and he comes across uh tom's tiktok and he sends this to me like holy shit have you ever seen this guy i'm like dude i don't even know what tiktok is uh <laughs> it, like i literally <laughs> i literally had to download tiktok um let me give you something you're, you're used to <laughs> <laughs> i got news for you tom i got an own set of those my own oh I, jesus i can play um, with my own man boobs all okay while. well uh tim's uncomfortable now no no guys i i have to run upstairs for a very quick second you guys talk about uh your man boobs <laughs> <laughs> um i will be right back uh jesus chris you could edit this out <laughs> <laughs> i'm not that's the best part of the whole night i'm not editing that out when he goes upstairs right well tom <laughs> let's let's talk about john gruden because i think that's an interesting I mean, I would say I would assume that you're in agreement that he that he probably should have lost his job. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's he's probably done earning at this point in time because he's toxic now. Yeah, for for sure, and and I think I think there's there's a little bit of of uh, discussion out there about why only him, and why why have they only used him? I think there's probably a lot more that's going to come down the pike. I, I had tweeted out the yesterday, how many NFL executives and, and, and journalists and whatever else are sitting there with some nervous fingers now wondering what else is going to come out from this investigation with the Washington football team, because I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of, a lot of kind of like a lot of cats in a, in a room full of rocking chairs. They're awful fucking nervous right now. Well, yeah. Yeah. And probably rightfully so. Now, so John Gruden, how, how old is John Gruden, if you don't mind me asking? Do you happen to know off the top of your head? I, d- I don't. I think he's probably 55. Okay. Probably a little older than that. I see you t- typing away furiously. Yeah. Yes. 1963. So he's 57. I was close. Okay. So he's still of the same general era as myself. And we were raised by racist parents. Now, that's definitely not an excuse by any stretch of the imagination, because a lot of us managed to come out of that type of scenario. So he's clearly somebody that held on to stuff that he could have let go in a new era, seeing how wrong that is. So for somebody like John Gruden, it does kind of almost take you by surprise a little bit and disappoints you a little bit. And and it says that you got you got to go. You got to lose your job. When you look back at somebody like, um, shit, I can't remember his name, the 974-year-old fossil that used to own the L.A. Clippers. Oh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Who went on the racist rant. Yes. He, had, <clears throat> yeah. he, had the, he had the arm candy girlfriend that was in her 20s who liked yeah. to hang out with black guys and post pictures of it on Instagram. And a voicemail from him to her was leaked saying, listen, you can hang out with them. You can party with them, but you got to post it on Instagram. And he went on this whole tirade. And you look at him 
and Bill Burr actually did a bit about him, and I really like Bill Burr. And he's like, are you really surprised that this guy said the things he said? Look at look at right. where he came from. The people who raised him are the people who helped finish off the genocide of the Native Americans, for fuck's sake. That's who taught him his ABCs, you know? Yeah. For the first 14 years of his life, that, that literally, they, they went back and looked. For the first 14 years of that man's life, baseball was all white. Yes. And nobody said a fucking word about it. It was just normal. You know, so it's not that it, it's an excuse, but it's like, are you really surprised that he turned out to be a racist piece of shit? Not at all. No, and you're right. You, I wouldn't I wouldn't say uh, I I wouldn't say that my parents were were racist, but they grew up in a racist culture. Now, you. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying that there were that I think that's what you're meaning and, yes, I, and yes. I didn't I'm not taking offense to it I'm just saying no. because I can remember my dad for years and and again he <laughs> I'll say this phrase and I don't necessarily um, agree with the phrase but I think his this is a good example of him not realizing the words that would come out of his mouth were maybe offensive even though it was in support Melvin had good intentions with bad right. execution. His support, he always had, he had support for, for gays and, and for liberals and their rights. But in, when you would ask him about it, he would say the term, well, it's their mouth, they can hold coal in it for all I care, which is extremely offensive. But, but in his mind, what he was thinking was, is they should have everybody's rights. It's none of my business. He should, we should have everybody's rights as everybody else. That's a good example of a generation that doesn't understand what might come out of their mouth is offensive. I would so, I would never ever say that to my kids now. I'd be I'd be flabbergasted if something like that came out of my mouth. So but he didn't even it was second nature to him, even mm -hmm. though his feelings were not anti-gay. So I'll I'll give you an even more subtle example of that. Uh so uh Tom, you may or may not have seen this. Uh, about, um, I don't know, three weeks ago, Chris, when was that Ankeny school board meeting video that went three viral? Weeks ago. So three weeks ago, uh, this Ankeny school board meeting went viral because they were anti-mask and QAnon and all that bullshit. I, I don't even remember all that they were going off of, but it was crazy and it was insane. And my folks live in Ankeny and so... I sent them a text message. And by the way, I I don't know my parents' politics. They're, they tend to be more conservative than me. But my mom literally thinks that like talking politics is like talking about hand jobs at a Thanksgiving dinner. Like you don't you don't you don't talk about that. Right. So like like not ever going to be able to enjoy Thanksgiving now. <laughs> Jesus. Enjoy your stuffing, Chris. Um, so, oh, uh, <laughs> so like, like it's just not something they talk about. But like, I at one point I had to be like, like, guys, you, you're taxpayers in this district. You go share a Target aisle with these guys. Like, how can you deal with these people being batshit crazy? Because like at one point I had brought up this summer like QAnon, and I asked my parents if they knew what QAnon was because they're in their seventies, and so like I. I get why, like maybe they wouldn't, but my but like my mom was like, "Oh no, we know what that is that that's crazy." I'm like, "You guys believe some crazy things." I can't believe, like, I'm glad that's a bridge too far. Thankfully, right? 
Uh, and so, like, I had sent this thing that this video of the the parents yelling at the the Ankeny school board. And by the way, as a parent of a school age kid, parents get way more worked up over masks than kids ever would. Um, yes. But yeah. um, but I had I had said like, what is going on? And my mom said, this isn't the America we grew up in. And I immediately responded to her, like, not even thinking, but like, not to be dis disrespectful, but I said to my mom, I'm like, I bet you wouldn't say that if you weren't white. And, and my mom, I got the dot, 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 and then it disappeared, and the dot, 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 and then it disappeared, and the dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's hard for them to even put, so they're almost in a, a civil rights, but also kind of bordering on pre-civil rights era where I don't think they've even, so it's not that they're like overtly racist or that they're, you know, contributing to a racist society so much as like, they're not even like cognizant of the privilege that they were giving or, or what they were. So even though they might've been 110%. So if my mom had one black, uh, you know, classmate, I'm sure she was 110% behind them, but I don't think she understood the impact, right? Well, yeah, probably not. Um, I, I didn't have parents like that. My father was very racist, <laughs> extremely, <laughs> extremely racist and sexist. Um, and oddly enough, uh, ridiculously liberal. Go figure. Oh, my father. I, I mean, my I mean, father at the end of his life, my father was railing away about how Medicare for all should have been a thing 30 fucking years ago and how he didn't give a shit who went to bed with who. But God damn it, they call it the White House for a reason. And that's why he couldn't vote for Obama. And well, I mean, I mean, that's that's why there were the Dixiecrats. Like literally the parties have flipped over the last 50 years for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And, and also, also the party that was in bed with the evangelicals 50 years ago was the Democrat Party and not the, Re the Republican Party. And they weren't in bed with the evangelicals that heavy. It wasn't yeah. until the 80s no. that Reagan really pulled those people out. Um, yeah. And they, he should have left them where he fucking found them. Well, there's a lot of things Reagan should have. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, another show, another time. <laughs> But it is one of those things like, Chris, I can understand, like all the stories you tell me about Melvin. Uh, I didn't know Melvin, obviously, but. Uh, Melvin is exactly the dads that I grew up with, right? He's yes. ex he's exactly my friend's dads that. They mean well, and they honestly, for all their grumpy, curmudgeonly ways, love people and. Like, just let people be people. My dad's uh, my dad's mantra was always when I when I when I would emulate something he would do or I would I would maybe try to place blame on him. His mm -hmm. mantra was always you need to do as I do, as I say, not as I do. He knew that he was a flawed individual. Well, right. Well, your, his, your dad, your dad probably probably the first thing was, oh, shit, what is this going to cost me? Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm sure. Right. Well, to this day, he would say, uh, it doesn't matter how much you think that you owe, that I owe you, you'll only ever get even. That was, that was, <laughs> so, uh, which I didn't fully understand until I became a parent myself and go, yeah, he's fucking right. Hey, oh, hey, okay. hey, 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 Chili, I just want to make a note. This is when you uh, 
we need to pop in here, Bill, and and uh, help keep Chris in line with this for sure. Right. But his that was kind. Of, he knew he was a flawed individual, and his he he was not going to let me grow up to be in the environment or think that he think of the way things that he thought of at a certain point. He just wasn't going to allow it. Right. Even though I would see him do some things that maybe not necessarily were morally right or were something that I would want my kids to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I'll give, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. We, he, he would sometimes cut corners um, when it came to business deals to, to try to get an edge. Uh, I, I can't even, I can't even walk out of a store with an extra piece of, you know, merchandise without feeling bad enough to go back in and say, Hey, you forgot to charge me for this. A, a sales, yeah. Like literally tonight, a salesperson today said, you know, I'll admit I've told some lies and I went, Oh, Oh, so you mean you, you've been in sales. <laughs> him, <laughs> like him, he would be like, all right, let me see if I can go to another yeah. store and see if I can scam something else. Now if they fell for that. I mean, that would be, you know what I mean? That was, yeah. But so, he would never allow me to do that. So, so like the Roseanne episode where she kept getting free stoves. Yes, 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 yes exactly. exactly. Was, I'm telling you right now, my dad would have kept would have kept selling those stoves in a heartbeat. It, it uh, wouldn't have even crossed his mind that it was that it was. As far as he's concerned, it was their fucking mistake, and he was cashing in on it. Tom, I'm so glad you brought that up, and like two of our listeners will also get that reference. But thank you, for <laughs> <that>. <laughs> thank you for that reference. Um, but so Tom, I wanted to ask you though, is, uh, so you've already kind of talked about your dad, but what other influences while you were growing up, do you think also maybe played a part in, in, uh, who you became? My cousin, definitely. Why is that? Uh, my cousin. So I'm 49. My cousin would have been 55, 56, maybe, um, he died just before his 50th birthday of a major heart attack. Had two cousins die at 49 of major heart attacks. Um, but he was the, my, my cousin junior, which was the only son of my father's only brother. Uh, so of the, the male side of the family, he was the one that was supposed to be the prince. He was the one that was supposed to, you know, sit at the head of all tables. Uh, he was also the one who uh, gave me my first joint. He was the one who gave me my first tab of acid, my first line of Coke, my first mushroom. He's the one that introduced me to Jimi Hendrix, Metallica, Anthrax, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Pink Floyd, the Beatles. Uh, you know, he was that cousin in my life. Um, and music is a huge part of my I feel, life. I feel like I would have gotten along very, very, very well with your cousin. Okay, so picture this. It's 1986, 19... Uh, no... Yeah, it's 87, sure. 88. Yeah. It's a small town in southern Indiana, about 4,000 people. My cousin, at that point in time, is rocking the blue jeans, T-shirt, and black overcoat look. Mm -hmm. Driving a maroon king cab Ford fucking Ranger with <laughs> curtains in the window. With curtains in the window. <laughs> doing the Saturday night loop through town. Is, is is that better than your lacar, Chris? By the way, side note, dude, you got you can't don't. Why do you do that? That was a badass little car. <laughs> t t t Tom, do you remember the the lacar? 
Uh, no, I don't actually, but I, apparently there's this bone of contention here about it. So, okay. Uh, everybody knows they've seen it. I will, I will send you a link here, Tom, you can look at it, but it was basically this little French car that looked like a little hatchback, but in my defense, the roof came all the way off. It was cool as shit. So, so, so Chris, how, how big were you? You were driving this little tiny French car. I, I might've been 320, 330. Oh, I just, <laughs> I just pulled it up. That thing is, uh, yeah, that looks like a Yuga. <laughs> right? It, it is. That's what I said. Like, to, the first time I, like, so our friend Bill sent this. And I was like, that's a, that's a goddamn Yugo. That's that's a yeah. tiny little, yeah. I actually knew a guy in, in high school who had a Yugo. It had a, a 65 cubic inch engine. And when you <laughs> lifted the hood uh, for the car, the engine was on the left and the spare tire and jack was on the right. And you undid two latches, and you could lift the engine out of the car. I was going to say, where, where was the hamster cage that made that thing run? Yeah, and this <laughs> does look. I mean, the body style is very similar to the old Yugos for sure. I Tom, at the risk of even more ridicule, I, I might have my senior picture taken with that car too. Oh, oh ouch, town, bro! Hide that for for all eternity. No, there's a lot of things that Chris should should uh, get rid of. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, Tom, what was your first car? Uh, it was a Pontiac uh, Sunbird hatchback. Oh my god, that was my first car. You're making this shit up. No, right that's that's the truth. <laughs> Five hundred bucks, Pontiac Sunbird hatchback. It was yeah, white. It was white. It was a white Pontiac Sunbird hatchback yes. with red interior. Uh, I don't know what color my interior was, but it was manual transmission. Oh, I, mine was automatic transmission, but you know, it was everything else was you know automatic, or I mean, uh, manual windows, manual locks, two keys, one to mm. get into the car, one to operate the car. Oh yeah, the whole shoot match. Wow, I'm yeah. old enough to remember. I, I'm old enough to remember filling up my parents' car behind the license plate. Oh yes. yeah! Oh yeah! Absolutely! I and going, I, oh and, and and going on a road trip with the family and you're dying from heat exhaustion and your old man opens up that little triangle window for some fresh air. Right? That was. I'm telling you, that was when if you were in the front seat, that was like instant air conditioning. That thing was amazing. Oh god! But but, but the, if you and, were with my parents, you didn't want the windows down because the old man was flicking the ashes out the window and it was just flying well, right back uh, in no, the back and, window. You're hitting you right in the face. You're in the you're in the back of a Monte Carlo sandwich, either between your two sisters or between your sister and a grandma while your sister's in the front seat. Uh, and, oh. and somebody's yelling at you to tuck those seat belts down in before it's <laughs> hurt. Because <laughs> they were like like the size of a softball and made out of solid metal. Oh man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the ashtray built into the back of the seat was full. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that ashtrays used to be in cars. God damn. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, no, and my kids have no idea what that cigarette lighter is really for. They, I, they automatically think it's just to plug in a, an adapter. For, well, qu for quite frankly, I think it is. Like, I don't even understand why cigarette lighters, other than then, oh. there was a there was a whole industry of twelve volt adapters. Them, but but there's a whole industry of twelve volt adapters. Yes. That came through, and so people like because we're in America and we don't understand how to use like real units of measure, and we don't really understand how to like wire things. Like, why the fuck are we still one ten when Europe is all two twenty? That drives me up the the wall. But anyway, but but there 
was a whole thing where we're like, oh, well, the 12 volt to 220 adapter, like we can do that. And so like to this day, I haven't smoked a cigarette inside of a car in forever, but I do have, I literally have a, this is again, to, to bring us into the, the 21st century. I have a USB box that can jump my car when my car, when my car battery is dead and I've used it in the dead of winter. I'm in Minnesota. It's been negative five degrees and I've used a USB box that I keep in the console of my car and I charge it with a USB charger plugged into the fucking cigarette lighter. I'm using the cigarette lighter to charge a box that can jump my vehicle. That is insane. Yeah, I bought one to uh, to to use that plugs in and airs the tire up for Caitlin. For right, right. Oh but yeah. I, was, I bought a car. I bought a new car last week, and I've been looking for accessories for inside of it just to kind of make it look super cool. And you can still buy cigarette lighters to plug in there. Oh yeah. So so the cars so, just don't come with the lighters anymore. They just come with the port. So, yeah. so, so Tom, so Tom, 20 and 17, what were their first cars? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, so my oldest, uh, my father passed away right before she got her license. So my father left behind his Ford Escape, which was a damn, damn good vehicle. She Actually got a very license. good vehicle, like a surprisingly good, sneaky yes. good vehicle. Yes. And, uh, and so we kind of figured out what that something like that would have cost us at that time. And when it came time for the 17 year old, when she turned 16 and get her a car, we kind of figured what we would have had to have paid to get a similar type of vehicle. And she currently has a uh, 2015 Jeep Renegade. Wow. That's that, that's a lot of years newer than my vehicle. Uh, Well, we, you know, she drives so many miles. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are thankfully in a very fortunate position in, our, in this stage in our, our, our lives together, my wife and I, where uh, we could we could make it happen. And so we were actually our, our oldest child needed to get uh, her. Her car had died, mm-hmm. completely died. And she needed a, 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 it's not that she had any bad credit. She said she didn't have any credit. So she needed a co-signer. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure, sure. And, and my wife that. already my wife already had a vehicle in her name. And so, uh, we asked the, uh, the car dealer, you know, well, in a month from now, when our other daughter turns 16, can we come in and get a third vehicle? And they're like, they, that might be stretching the number of loans. And they, and we go, well, can we buy two right now and get, and, and that and he goes, well, yeah, you probably, because you're, you're, you're only running your credit once. Yeah, and then, right. you know, you're not, you're not hitting it again in a couple of months for another big purchase. And so we bought two vehicles from him on the same night. One, the cosign for my, my oldest daughter and the other one for my other daughter who didn't even know we were buying it for her because we knew <laughs> we needed to get her a car. So then like we came home, it was like, here, that's yours. And so maybe that's mine. I'm like, yeah, you don't get to pick yours out either. You're, you're driving that. <laughs> you're driving that. So, so Tom, um, you may or may not know this. Uh, Chris recently bought a vehicle. Um, so I'm going to ask him two questions. Actually, so no, I'm going to ask Tom, uh, I'm going to ask you this. So you've met Chris. You're looking at Chris right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris is a recent empty nester, right? I so like, I feel like this is going to go bad. So so his 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 oldest kids have been out of the house. Uh, 
Caitlin hopes to never ever show up there again. Uh, um, uh, the, the boys have been man when the boys show up on the podcast and talk about how happy they are to be away. Uh, I, I I already judge Chris for this, but so so now you're Chris. You're a fifty year old empty nester. What do you go by? Oh. Um... I don't know because I'm a 49 year old, not empty nester. And I just bought a new vehicle like three months ago. Um, yeah. It's Cause you brought something still kind of practical. So this yeah. is the first vehicle in Chris's life. <laughs> uh, especially well, since his Lacar, where, <laughs> <laughs> where he can finally be impractical. What do you think he bought? An 84 Buick Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you close. had. I wait, wish wait, wait, you wait, had, wait, 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 Chris. Wait, can I guess number two? A 78 Monte Carlo with one red door and missing T-top. <laughs> God damn it. I think no, I might have driven that for a while. I'll tell yeah. you right now, T-tops were the shit. I had an 83 Camaro like that, and I loved that fucking car. Yeah, I remember, I remember when my buddy Dennis showed up with the T-tops for the very first time. And like we went for a ride, and he's like, "Should we take the t tops off?" And I realized like what a production it was to just fucking. Take <laughs> <this> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> and I was like, "Do we need to have a stage manager for how much drama is going on right now?" <laughs> Let me guess. You also had the uh, tassel hanging from the rear view mirror. <laughs> yes, there was there was there, there wasn't a ta- there was a uh, there was an air freshener though hanging from the rear view mirror. For, I for had sure. a. I had the I had the uh, roach clip with the feather. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, sorry to get us back on here. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I, I, let's I, get back I, to making fun of me. Yeah. So so so. Uh, wait, Chris, I feel I feel like it's going in the in the direction of a minivan. No 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 because he's done with kids. He's an empty nester. Oh okay. He, so he actually did go with something that would be fun. It wasn't like oh my yes. god you had a chance to go fun no. and you still bought a minivan. Yeah no. yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, chance. So your first have some fun car. Uh, the uh, what's the, the 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 slick one from Dodge, the Charger. That would have been a great one, and I wish he would have done that. You're close, but th- those don't come in a convertible, so I did not. I did not buy. Oh, one. convertible, Corvette. Ooh, no, that's, that's a little out of my price range. I bought a uh, I bought a 2016 Ford Mustang convertible. Ford Mustang. Okay, nice. Electric blue. Nice. So, and as and I don't know that Tim has seen this yet, but uh, I decked it out with some LED lights inside. Oh Jesus Christ! Why would you tell me this? This I'm already I'm already ashamed. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's actually it's on my TikTok to be honest with you. Oh, I'm sorry. It's on our TikTok. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know God, what I'm doing immediately after that. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, do you even follow me on TikTok? Do you even know where I'm at on TikTok? Oh, I know where you're at on TikTok. Okay. I follow you on I love if he would have said, weight. it's got an electric start. So I, I think I follow you, but we're all, you know what? If nope. I don't follow you, I'm going to be following I was right. say, I, I, I love I'm, the idea of Tom saying, no, I'm aware of where you are on TikTok. I don't I, follow you on TikTok. I, I, bought a little, <laughs> I bought a little Captain America shield that goes over the electric start button so I can lift the shield up and push the button. Goodness gracious, I man. Bought, wait, I'm not doing it. I, I bought some little Mustang cup holder things that go in there that LED light up and they light up blue. 
And then I bought these LED strips that are underneath the front panels and the back seats so that when the music plays, it thumps the, the lights and, and synchronizes. The so, 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 so Tom, Tom, I have two questions for you. So when we were growing up uh, in the 80s, we had an idea of what middle age is. Now that we have reached middle age, right? Uh, what, what, give me your age range of what middle age is. Uh, um, okay, so middle age uh, is going to be 35 to 55. Okay, so, and you know what? I don't think I can disagree with it. I would say 35 is maybe a little young. The way I look at it is this, am I going to make it to 70? And if I do, am I going to be in good shape? Am I going to make it to 75? Am I going to make it to 80? So when I look at that number, I look at what the halfway point is. And uh, I, 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 I see that right now I am clearly beyond the halfway point. Tom, in Chris's case, then that should have been 22 for middle age. <laughs> No. <laughs> Tom, I, I sent you. I, I sent you through, uh, through our Twitter messages. Right. I sent you a link to the video. You can yeah, check that but, out. But but, okay. uh, but Tim, I okay. sent it to you through Slack. You can check that out. Excellent. Okay. And have your little fantasies later. Uh, <laughs> so 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 here's here's my next question, Tom. When you heard the phrase, so we all grew up, you know, watching uh, '80s movies, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and a very common theme, aside from like teenage angst, was midlife crisis, right? Yes. So, Tom, you're 49, you're retired, which are both things that I aspire to be. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what does a midlife crisis look like to you? <laughs> and does it involve buying a 2016 Ford Mustang? <laughs> you know what I, no it doesn't thank you and i'll tell you why because having now reached this point and 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 seeing you know like my uncle reached this point before me and so forth and so on the way i look at what he just did with that mustang is mm-hmm. he he did what he was supposed to do for all the years they told him he was supposed to do it and now he's rewarding himself i don't view that as much as a midlife crisis what i view as a midlife crisis is somebody going so off the wall you know oh my god he fucking god. buys an aeropostale t-shirt <laughs> you know he, he, he I, he's, wearing, he's wearing the fucking thong beach side in cancun you know something like that i you bought know, five oh, oh my god shirts. Oh my I God! Four Air Apostle shirts, and you're never gonna let me live it down. Hey, no, no. Tom just at, just said we're in a thong beachside in Cancun. Are you ever gonna do that? Nobody me? wants to see that. No, no. I'm asking. I'm asking Chris because nope, you brought it no. up. Nobody wants to see that. Well, I know, but nobody wants to see a lot of things you do. <laughs> yeah, you count me the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, man, you're doing no way in hell. I'm you're getting me into a thong. Everything's gonna roll over. It'll look like I'm naked. That's so, right. <laughs> so 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 but Tom, you have a nine-year-old. Yes. Um so I know like my I didn't have my kid until I was in my late 60s. And so I understand that like I'm a lot older than some of like her 
her friends' parents and all of that stuff. How do you compare in the Chicago land area there to some of your nine year olds' uh, kids are like classmates' parents? I'm by far the oldest. I am mistaken for a grandfather all the time, literally mistaken for his. Oh, grandfather. oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm all I'm, the time. No, yeah. uh, the parents, the parents that he has right now, uh, the parents of other nine year olds, with the exception of obviously one here and one there. The yeah, vast not, majority, I mean, you're not Tony Randall. Right, exactly. A vast majority of them, their nine-year-old, the one, that, the reason why we know each other, their nine-year-old is their oldest. Oh, sure. And so you're talking about people that are like thirties. Yeah. You know, and they're and, and they're like, oh, oh, you're you're forty-nine. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you. I like fucking. <laughs> I, I I think that um, so Chris and Sorry I were talking to sponsor. So, so Chris and I were talking earlier about uh, the uh, the school board meeting in Ankeny yeah. where people were yelling, I would love for you to show up to an Ankeny school board meeting and just shout, sorry, I love fucking. I think that would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, one of, one, of the, one of the reasons that I was, I, I gained uh, social media traction locally is for an appearance I made at a school board meeting. Really? Okay. Yeah, we we had our high school board uh, had somebody that allegedly did not want to see a black teacher uh, get elevated because they they questioned. Well, so what does this mean that we're just going to have black people teaching my kids in a school board meeting? Oh and, my god! And the uh, the the town came out in force. Now this is a town that doesn't come out for school board meetings sure. like at all. And, 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 uh, and but but again, let's let's reorient where you are. You are a near suburb of Chicago. I'm a far suburb of Chicago. Okay, but still, you're not you're not Rockford. No, not even close. No, yeah, we're, we're, exactly. we're we're way closer to Chicago. We are in the Chicagoland area. We yeah. are in the collar counties. We are. I mean, we are Chicagoland. Yeah. Uh, but we but we are literally on the fringe of Chicagoland. So, uh, you go ten miles outside of my town and it's cornfields until the Rockies. You know, dude, I, so I grew up in Eastern Iowa and when I grew up, I grew up three hours from Chicago. You talk to people that go to like the high school I grew up in and they say they're like an hour f- from Chicago. Cause like it's grown that much West, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has. It really has. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we're still not, immune to the racism to the bigotry to the homophobia it's all around us and so we had this oh, issue oh, you, you mean a city founded on a, a, a bunch of uh irish people and polish people are not immune to racism that's <laughs> so weird to me who would have ever guessed it right? <laughs> who would have ever guessed it when the term paddy wagon was commonly used right <laughs> people don't a lot of people don't even realize that that has a negative connotation oh, it's a huge, irish people a lot of people yeah. don't realize that the, the term cop is is negative the, mm-hmm. the the etymology of cop is negative there's so many things in our world that are negative that we take for uh for granted that we don't even realize i mean like, uh, like Chris, Adidas shoes. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, right. Adidas shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Volkswagen. 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 Let's, back up. Let's back up to Adidas shoes because I don't know what you're talking about. 
Okay. Adidas shoes was developed by a Nazi. Really? Yeah. As was no Volkswagen. Volkswagen, Volkswagen. The brand, the yeah, brand yeah. Volkswagen was developed yep. by Adolf Hitler. Vol- yeah, Volkswagen, the, the people's car, like literally yep. is what they mean, right? But um, yeah, Adidas was Adidas was formed by a Nazi, and then you have uh, uh, organizations like uh, um, uh, Coldwell Bankers and uh, what's the other one, uh, Western Union, that have roots in slave trades and things of that nature. There are there are a million things that we just take for granted that have a horrible horrible background. So, so listeners, what you don't know, again, since you missed out on the episode I failed to record, it's that Tom is already very well aware of Chris's absolute um, lack of knowledge. He, that's a better way of putting it. Like the fact that he blacked out for the entire 90s and he'd lost all of that. And then he also doesn't understand like things that happened in, um, I don't know, what do we call that? Oh, yeah, the world. Like he doesn't understand some of these things. <laughs> Uh, he just entered the bubble back then and never got out. <laughs> well, so so exaggerating what I, just a tad bit. Uh, I don't. So like, so like last episode, the the listeners missed out was Tom and I geeking out on the Grateful Dead, and I don't expect you to understand the Grateful Dead. Like Tom had said a great uh, a great thing that I love that he said they're like black licorice. If you love it, you love it. And if you hate it, you hate it. Like, and I, it, I, I get it. That was a great analogy. Well, that was actually Jerry Garcia's analogy. He said it. Per, excellent. Right? That's the lead singer, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my defense, I just did that just to see Tim's reaction and watch his head explode. I, I actually appreciated Tom's reaction there. Um, uh, you know, I've yet it. to still listen to a song. You know what? Fuck <laughs> it. I'm gonna segue us into this because so so Tom and I talked about we tried to teach you that like uh the grateful that I'm gonna just hijack this conversation. I don't care. Uh we got too serious. We're gonna take it this into something more lighthearted. Uh but Tom and I talked last time about the Grateful Dead and how you have to understand that, like, well, first of all, you don't know any real albums anyway. Like, name your favorite artist, Chris. Billy Joel. Okay. Name your top three Billy Joel albums. Oh, I can't. Exactly. Songs. And so then I can, do, and songs. That, I can and, do songs. I don't know what albums they were from. I don't know. They all jumbled together. Okay. Oh, so, 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 okay. So, Billy jo- so, okay. So, so Billy Joel out of the top of my head, I'm going to go an innocent man album. I'm going to do for okay. the longest time. I'm going to go up down girl. Yeah. Uh, and I'm that gonna, was the Christy Brinkley years. No, well, that was when he introduced, and so Christy Brinkley did uh, the River of Dreams album. Um, he ruined his career. But Chris, I want I want to point out to you that I like literally here I am. You just out of the middle of nowhere. But what is up. the point of knowing albums? If I know the songs, why do I need to know what album? You don't even know the albums though. Like I literally, you named an artist, and I could not only name okay. the albums, I could name the okay. year. The, re- the the reason why is because albums at one point in time meant something, right? So you, album the the song is great, right? So um, my guess is, and it, so it sounds like you're not that into music, and that's cool. Not everybody is. But my guess is, is that you've probably heard a song called Another Brick in the Wall Part Two, right? Yeah. By Pete Floyd, 
We don't need no education. Tom, I, I wish you wouldn't have even told him who it was by. I wanted to. Give I, him five I knew. I knew that one. <laughs> okay, so you know the song, right? Yes. But the overall album, The Wall, is an absolute work of art. There's a story that is told within the album itself. Um, uh, so and the and back- the and, and the movie is amazing. Oh yeah, the movie is absolutely next level phenomenal. Uh, if you ever have an opportunity to watch The Wall, I highly recommend it. But that's why, because albums at one point in time told a story. There were thematic albums. It wasn't just a collection of songs. They meant something, right? Okay. And, and so they, in and my they recognize, they, they usually identified a different vein of, of, of creativity from the artist. Like when you look at The Grateful Dead, there's a certain amount of albums that sort of sound the same. And then you get like uh, Shakedown Street and you're like, oh, wow, they went disco. Right. Yeah. So okay. we we, we yeah. talked about no no t- no uh, Chris you, you just shut up for a while no like 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 one thing that Tom and I had talked about last time is like uh, you have to realize that what the Grateful Dead did for a while was we're gonna play this and we're gonna play this and then all of a sudden here's a non studio album it's an album but it's not a studio album where suddenly it's all buddy holly songs so how are you going to take this jam band that plays buddy holly songs and they not not fade away would not be the song it was without the grateful dead and it's an amazing song right i and we chris you and i grew up in iowa we know where the music died in in clear lake but that is maybe the part like I think you're missing is the story. So now that I've okay. said that, Chris, you explain why you're wrong. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> we, Tom ain't got that kind of time. <laughs> I will say, after Tom's explanation, not yours, Tom's, of the story. Also mine. That will then revert back to me that I do remember one particular album that I do remember that from, and that's Sticks Paradise Theater. Like I can see that was a story of an arc of a story on those songs. And that was one of the first albums that I had. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's, I don't know that that's the case with the majority of the music that I like Bon Jovi didn't have a story. It was just like rock. No. Well, no. sure. Well, the, and, that, and that's fine. And you were younger, but, but, I, but you understand. You gotta give me a pass, though. I mean, I not everybody. I listen to music for certain music or whatever, and like a song and like a certain genre or whatever. But the album itself, I get what you're saying, but I I don't relate it to that. No, no. There were a lot of times we'd be I'd be at my old job and they'd be talking about somebody and I'd be like, I've never heard. I don't know who you're talking about. Well, and, it, my, it, boss, it, my boss it, would be like. YouTube it. You've heard that song. You just don't. You're not well, and, and, and Chris, I I will give you that. I don't. I don't expect you to know albums, for sure. Okay, which would I, then give me a pass to not know when the album came out. Well, so here, <laughs> so here here is my problem: is that you're fifty, right? And yes. and I love that you re- you reference sticks because. One of the things that I've tried to talk to with a lot of young people is that so for me when I when I grew up in the 80s and the 90s the 70s felt like way farther away 
than they should have, right? And so people who grew up in the 2010s, in the 2000s, the 90s suddenly turned into like the 1940s, right? Like, like, like people who, people who are 24 years old think that we all did like the ragtime in the 90s, right? They, like, they don't get that. Um, all that said, Chris, there's some of those things like, like maybe you could have embraced or learned a little bit more. Okay, can we can we just dispel, Tom? This all comes from a, a, a mistake that I made. <laughs> that I thought the Red Hot Chili Pepper song was in response to the L.A. riots. And okay, as sad as this is, I can't even remember the name of the song. It, it it's under the bridge. So okay, so it's under the bridge. Okay, but so, there's so, a line in there. Listen again, it was all blurred, but I may have only heard that song after the LA riots. So, so here, hold on, you're gonna let me finish. And then at that point, this the line, I don't ever want to feel this way. I thought was he was remarking that he felt terrible that his city was burning and he never wanted to feel that way. That's why I related that song to that time because I may have heard that song after the LA riots. But, but that's the, my reason. The, the, well, that's the problem of growing up in Iowa is that literally you are six months to a year behind the times. Okay, well, then, and as a person that didn't know a lot of music, if I just now found the song and it was after that, you could see where my mind would think, okay, he's okay. singing about something that is important. So, he's so from Los so Angeles. I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Tom a question here since he is our guest. Uh, Tom, you are 17 years old. Okay. Um, what is the most embarrassing thing that you are listening to right now? At 17. Yeah. So that by that point in time, I was clearly into rock. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, like we're, we're talking 1990. Uh, so you're talking 72, 82, 92, uh, 91, 90, 89, 88, 89. Yeah. Um, it's like 89, 90, right. Right. So 89, 90, what are you listening to that you're embarrassed that you like? And not even embarrassed at the time, like. Now that you look back, because I have like plenty, like like the like color me bad, I'm all over. Uh, MC Hammer, I'm all like I'm embarrassed by that. So eighty nine ninety, what are you embarrassed by that you really liked at the time? Well, at the time, the rock guys would have shredded me for knowing that I listened to any of the rap of the time. But uh, and you have to forgive me. I don't know exact years that these things came out, but, but like but, when they but, came but, out. Don't say but, that. Don't say but, that because Tim will hate you forever. No, now. no, no. I was gonna say. I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two things. Is uh, is eighty nine uh, uh, LL Cool J. Mama said, "Knock you out." Was great. Um, oh, yeah. um Ice T's body count. Fantastic album in 89. So rap go, metal mix, yes. Yeah, yeah, rap metal mix. Like when they were like with anthrax and and even like Slayer crossovers, like I get that. But yeah, I agree. Like if you like this or like that, it was a very hard crossover. 
It so, was. So I listened to things like uh, I listened to Vanilla Ice at the time. I listened to to things like MC Hammer at the time, Young MC at the time. So uh, so my, my 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 girlfriend and I uh, listened to Stone Cold Ryman in my I will say uh, Young MC Stone Cold Ryman is still one of the best albums of all time. I know all of the words. I we were at the bar in Crosby, Minnesota last last weekend. And I wrapped every single line to bust a move. So I get that. Oh, I know bust a move inside and out. But uh, uh, at the time, that was something that only a few people knew about because you you, you were hanging around with the rock guys. Of the yeah. Time. You were, yeah. We yeah. were hanging around with the guys that listened to Aerosmith and Poison and Bon Jovi and Rat yeah. and Warrant and all that stuff. And it's like, you listen to mc hammer well yeah i do it fucking jams i don't know what to tell you yeah, i'll tell you another one digital no, that's underground. fair that's fair digital underground right the humpty dance dg oh, hell yeah okay. hell yeah, yeah I, that one. I i had the bat dance the the batman soundtrack that's what i had yeah bat dance oh yeah so, you so you're the nerds idea of, of listening to all of this yeah that's what I, <laughs> that's, that's what i had i had to look it up though i didn't know what year it was <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I would be listening to back then that I would be embarrassed to. Nowadays, it would probably be if somebody were to take a deep dive into the music that's stored on this phone in front of me, they would probably look at it and go, uh, is that a Miley Cyrus song? Hmm. I've got wow. a bit. Yeah, I've got some. I, I, I go through I go through uh, spurts like I'll I'll get hooked on a certain genre and then I'll be like, oh, I don't have I don't have this album from. I don't know, Def Leppard or 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 whatever. And they're like right after I watched uh, Straight Out of Compton, the biopic, I, I downloaded a crap ton of of NWA and and mm. stuff like that. And <clears throat> I mean, it's it's uh, I go from different different times. Yep. And when we bought the car last week, and I was blasting out um, some uh, some uh, Straight Out of Compton, my wife was not having it. Christian, you are not you're not helping your case. Oh, on that note, <laughs> you're mean. <laughs> My name is Paul, and this is between y'all. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> we're off the rails now. We are. Well, anyway, Just slightly. Um, we we probably should wrap this up, right? Yes. Okay. Well. <laughs> Well, anyway, thank you guys very much for listening to another edition of Old Man Strength. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. See, this is the first time I've actually let you introduce yourself. I know. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> you have Before no line. Though, Tom, smile and nod. Before we go, Tom, shout out uh, where people can find you. Oh, you, you guys can find me at oldhippymedia.com. Everything you need to know is at oldhippymedia.com. There you go. Excellent. Well, thank you once again for listening to another edition of Old Man Strength. You've wasted, <laughs> I don't know, two hours with us? I, I, Something I don't know. Like that. Yeah. About an hour and a half. An hour and a half. But so thank prime you. Prime wisdom. Please visit us on the web. You can find us on Twitter at uh, strength underscore old. 
You can find Chris at SideGradSideDebt. Right? Is yep. that right? Have you been drinking? What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> please visit our our, uh, our sponsor now, our new sponsor at Revelton Distillery. Uh, Chris, what is their social media? They are on, uh, let's go, let's go look. Uh, Revelton.com, RevelTonDistillery.com is their website. They are at, on Twitter, which my to do, at RevelTonDC on Twitter. Facebook is Revelton Distillery. Um, hit them up and go see them. I think they've got some shows uh, every weekend, some artists and things like that. So they've always got good stuff going on. All right, uh, Tom, I'm going to give you one last shout out. Anything else you want to say for our listeners? Uh, bones heal, pain is temporary, and chicks dig scars. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I got lots of those. <laughs> that's, the best, that's the best line I could come up with in the moment. No, no, go. no, Tom. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you once again for wasting yet another hour with us. We will see you guys next time. I don't want to get on the bandwagon. I'll burn that wagon down and join the band. Traveling troubadours terrorizing street corners just to try to get some supper in our hands. Now I waited all my life to get this off my chest screen buddy murder until someone understands that it ain't about the money, the drugs, or the women. I make this noise just because I can. And we'll all join in to that original sin.